is when I start a book, I know how it's going to end. Of course, with this memoir, that was a given. But um, so I worked toward that ending. That's today's guest, Cassandra King Conroy, author of the memoir, Tell Me a Story, My Life with Pat Conroy. But first, CNF, greatest podcast in the world, is sponsored by Bay Path University's MFA in Creative Nonfiction. Recent graduate Christine Brooks recalls her experience with Bay Path's MFA faculty as being, quote, filled with positive reinforcement and commitment. They have a true passion and love for their work. It shines through with every comment, every edit, and every reading assignment. The instructors are available to answer questions, big and small, and it is obvious that their years of experience as writers and teachers have made a faculty that I doubt can be beat anywhere, end quote. Don't just take her word for it, man. Apply now at baypath.edu slash MFA. Classes begin January 24th. 24th? 21st. Yeah. Okay. Well then, hey CNFers. You know, to start off the month, it is NaNoWriMo for some people. I would say it's NaNoWriRiv. Don't unpack that at all. We're just finding creative ways to work in the metal. Hey CNFers, happy November. This is CNF, the Creative Nonfiction Podcast, where I talk to badass people about the art and craft of telling true stories. Glad you're here. Cassandra King Conroy is here to talk about her work, tell me a story, my life with Pat Conroy. We'll get to that soon. You eat all that candy yet? You dig into all that chocolate and peanut butter? And did you begin to question what the hell they put in that Kit Kat chocolate to make it taste so damn good? You wonder? You ever wonder that? I'm not supposed to eat that stuff for a number of reasons. There's a great blog post by Seth Godin about not eating cheap chocolate. What's it called? It said, don't buy cheap chocolate. So, uh, in any case, it's worth the read. It might be in the monthly newsletter that went out today. Why aren't you signed up for it, man? How many times do I have to tell you? Once a month, no spam can't beat it, right? Also, this only grows, this enterprise, this podcast, this community, it only grows on the backs of your support. Share with a friend if you think this is worth sharing, and consider leaving a review on Apple Podcasts. We'd love to have it. Thanks for all you do, and I mean that. And I gotta say something here. My friend Alex Paley from my time in upstate New York, my time up there, and my time working with him at Fleet Feet in Albany, he died this past weekend from brain cancer. He was 33 years old, I think, maybe 34. It doesn't matter how old he is because that is way too freaking young to die, certainly, in that in that way. And here's the thing about Alex. He was one of those people who you loved to be around. He was that guy. He was in medical school. He would have been the kind of doctor that would make you feel better just by shaking his hand. He was always smiling, always laughing, and he dies. And where's the justice? Tears me apart just thinking about it. He was a competitive runner. Like, he could win races. He was, he was that good. And he was just, like I said, just one of those people that you love to be around. I mean, he drove me nuts. 
a lot of the time because you primarily sat in the back of the store watching daily show clips and eating pasta and laughing his ass off. He was argumentative, sometimes to the point of really annoying, but he was always a pleasure to be around. He unironically gave my wife and me Pictionary for for my birthday one year. We never took it out of the shrink wrap, but we thought it was the most charming little gift ever. He helped us move from Saratoga Springs to neighboring Boston Lake. When I was starting my baseball memoir, we joked around calling it Base Dad Ball. So <laughs> it, it was... Uh, you know, we just had a had a great relationship when we were around each other. Um, when my first book came out, his parents came by one of my several uh, pitifully attended book signings and uh, bought a copy for Alex for, for me to sign. And I asked Alex what he thought about it, and he couldn't contain how much he didn't like it. As he laughed and bumbled his way through, saying things like, it, it was good. No, really. It was, it was, it was good. So... So it was so this past Saturday I was telling my wife as we sat in to watch Great British Baking Show settled in to watch it um that I said that Alex would likely pass in the next week and there was uh, a message I had been meaning to to send to him via their Caring Bridge journal his sister was was keeping was keeping a log and keeping everyone updated on his on his progress over the last you know 2 years or so uh, she said, well, Melanie said, uh, my wife, she said, you, you know, you better send it because he could pass away tonight. So I wrote a quick message saying how much I was thinking about him, how much we loved the Pictionary, even though we never opened it. And I was still working on Base Dad Ball, and I sent it off. I don't know if he saw it or heard it, but he died about four hours later, a little after 3 a.m. Sunday morning Eastern. He donated that brain to science. I know that's a bummer to hear, but I felt it was worth sharing. Alex, I hope you're running without any soreness in your Achilles tendon somewhere, eating spaghetti and laughing your ass off to Daily Show or Colbert Report, all the things that I remember you doing in the back of the office at Fleet Feet Albany. We'll try and make do without you down here, man. Well, how do you transition off of that? Well... Cassandra King Conroy is here to talk about her writing life and her midlife marriage to the bigger-than-life writer Pat Conroy. The name of the book is Tell Me a Story. You can find out more about Cassandra at CassandraKingConroy.com. And here's my conversation. Thank you very much for listening. I think Alex would approve of this riff. You know, in your twenties, thirties, and maybe in, into your forties, you know, what did a successful writer look like to you, and how did your ambitions measure, uh, sort of slot alongside that? Well, I'm, I'm sort of embarrassed to say that that I I didn't really have the ambitions. I, I sort of let go of those. I'm, I'm talking a lot about women of my generation, and. Uh, so when when I got married and started a family, it was kind of like I I gave I gave up I, I gave up my dreams, you know, to be a writer for that and 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 put it all aside. Well, I said I was putting it aside, but but I never did. I kept I kept writing in in, in secret, but but I didn't have any 
I didn't have any encouragement in, in that in my in my form of marriage. I um I, I remember one time that that I sent a piece in. Uh, Jesse Hill Ford was doing a um I can't remember it was a week or a couple of week long workshop. Uh, I was living in Birmingham at the time and college in Birmingham and you sent you had to be accepted you know it was only taking so many students and I sent a story in and I was accepted into it and goodness I was maybe in my 30 you know early 30s then had small kids and I was so excited I couldn't wait for my ex to get in so I could well, now my ex, you know, mm-hmm. to get in so I could tell him, oh, my God, I've been accepting this. He said, you, you can't do that. I mean, we can't afford a babysitter, and I'm not going to be able to watch the kids for you to, to go to this. So I I gave up my slot to someone else. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, yeah, it pains me now to, to say these things, but... Um, <laughs> yeah. Oh, and there's a there's a point in the in in your most recent book where uh, that I had that I had marked too, where uh, you know you said, despite my blathering in class, it shames me to admit that I never had the self respect to make demands in order to nurture my own career. And uh, that's kind of exactly what you're what you're saying now. Yeah. It's just like at, at that point, it was just it it didn't seem like something you could you know, take on and. And it, granted, it was part of the times, but uh, but thankfully you were able to kind of kind of crack out of it, and then you know really sort of forge your own path. Yeah, and and what you know, I I beat up on myself about it, but I look back, looking back, I I was I was writing, I was writing all the time. I may have been just journaling, or or you know just uh, sending things to small journals and stuff academic journals literary journals things like this but it, at least i was conti- i was keeping i was nourishing that that part of myself in in my own way at that time i was both denying it and and nourishing it too in in a way and with the with the the journaling you might have been doing and also you know writing writing these stories how are you uh, building that into your daily routine, uh, and maybe that might have even extend to how you go about the work today. Uh, you know, what are those kind of routines for you? Well, uh, for for one thing, I have kind of gotten over this, but uh, Pat was amazed when uh, when we first got married that that I could be we could be waiting for a, a plane or something, and I you know be in an airport lobby, and I could be working on. Uh, you know, a book, a, a chapter or something like that uh, because I realized I had had to snatch whatever time I had. And when I, my kids were young and they were, they were you know, growing up, all it was nap time or school time or in between, you know, things that, that I did. It. And, and then when I was older and teaching at a college, it would be in between classes. I just learned to take whatever time that I could. So as as a consequence, I I could I did not need all the you know have to get in my own little um, um, mood and, and off to myself and <laughs> burn candles and you know 
all this sort of stuff, I, I would, I was glad to get whatever, whatever time I could. With respect to, you know, this was, it's a, you've been a, you know, primarily a novelist and of course, uh, tell me a story is a memoir of your time with Pat Con Conroy. And, um, what made you want to take on, take on the memoir, uh, at at this point, well, uh, you know, uh, Brendan, it was it was uh, I, I was sort of leading up to it without realizing because uh, about actually this was before I was even with with Pat. Uh, I had uh, I had written not I had not written like you know nonfiction. I, I did my first book, which started out to be a collection of short stories, and I ended up making it into just a novella sort of sort of thing. And so I loved it. I loved doing the novels and got totally and gave up short stories altogether. But I had this scene in my first book and, and it was the whole thing was this family dinner and it was all fraught with with um, you know, usual family drama and all this, but but it it also brought out a lot of these southern dishes that that southerners in particular would be i think identify with so i had a um an editor from from southern living magazine got got in touch with me and said we would love for you to do an article so that was just i read your your book and that was my favorite part of it and and you have a, a way of writing about you know, food. So, so I started, I started, I did one article, magazine article, and then later I would do, I would do more. And, and so I had, I discovered when I did a year long stint for a coastal living magazine, and I wrote an essay on the back page and it, it was thematic and it was something about coast living on, on the coast or, or not necessarily living on the coast because I wrote one or two about visit to Maine coast and another visit to uh, California coast. But I loved it. I, I loved the structure of having uh, to rearrange the words to, to fit in um, strictly within... These, I believe, I can't remember the 500 or 1,000 word, you know, essays. But, but they had to be that to fit the space. And then they were thematic as well. So it was almost like I was going back to English 101, mm -hmm. <laughs> writing, writing essays, essays again. And, and so I'd, I'd done a right good, good bit of that and, and really liked it. And then I, I started working on a cookbook and I was doing it with, with a friend and she, she has a, a cookbook out and tells a lot of Southern stories. She's, she's from Florida, from Alabama, all these Southern stories of, of the fish fries and the church suppers and the things like that. And I've written several, you know, chapters on, on that, but then, I put that aside. Pat got sick, so one of the things I, I was doing after uh, after he died, and I did promise him that I would I would go back to my writing, 
you know, he he made me say that 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 I would do that, and he really felt like that would be helpful to me, and it was very much so. But I went back to writing these stories about he and I entertaining together and stuff like this. And it made me see that there were so many stories of our time together that I really wanted to tell. And a lot of them didn't have anything to do with food. So I couldn't think of a way to work them into, you know. Mm-hmm. And, and and then my editors, you know, when she saw them, she said, no, this this really needs to be a, a, a memoir. That's, that's the stories you need. Those are the stories you need to tell. Yeah, and I think coming away from you know, reading it, you do realize how important uh, food and travel was to the to the two of you. You guys really had a great connection over over good food and good like uh, like regional and geographical yeah. food, if you will. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and uh, there's so much more I could I could I did have in there took out to use for the cookbook when I eventually do that. So I've got a lot of cooking stuff, you know, cooking food related kind of. Kind of and, and when you uh, approach a, a story of this of this nature, and it's you know still, I have to imagine it was um, you know pretty pretty raw because uh, because uh, Pat passed away in March of 2016, and uh, you know this book comes out just uh, a little over three years later. So you were you know right. writing this probably in the throes of grief. So I how how challenging was it to approach this book given how raw that experience was? It it was a lot worse than I thought it would be. I mean, I really thought uh, a friend of ours started writing his own book about his friendship with Pat, and he kept telling me, yeah, you've got to do this. It's so therapeutic. I'm just really, you know, kind of enjoying almost reliving these, you know, fun times together and stuff like that. And then when I got into mine, I found that – Reliving those times were, in a lot of ways, more painful than than talking about his his illness and and death. Uh, you know, it's just, of course, that's because that's what you miss most. You know, that's where the grief comes from. Because when someone is very sick, like like he like he was at the end, um, even though it was very very sudden, you know, the death. It, is a release, and you you don't want them to suffer. But uh, then when you but when you start thinking about these these good the good times the you know the love affair and all this this stuff and that's that's where the painful part really really came. And though I'm certainly not saying by any means it wasn't difficult to re- retell and and relive through telling, you know that the part about his sickness and all it certainly was. Mm. Yeah. So how, how did you manage to, uh, you know, generate, uh, generate this manuscript and, uh, in your rough early drafts, you know, just given, uh, given how sensitive and probably how, you know, fresh those, you know, the, those cuts still felt yet. How did, yeah. how did you work through that? Uh, it just exactly, you know, the, the only way out is through and, and I just, I would I would stop at times. There were even a few times where I said, "Okay, this is is too soon. I can't do it. So maybe I should, you know, rethink this. Go back, do the little light stories in the cookbook." Or that was another uh, novel that that I 
been wanting to write for a while, and I'd worked some on that. That's what I call my farm book, that if you read the, since you've read the memoir, you'll know Pat told me he wanted me to get back to the farm book. Mm-hmm. That's because I was, I had worked some on, on that at a time when, when I was so sick of writing uh, recipes, trying to get those into format. Um, so, so I would think, God, I, I can't do this. I'm, you know, this is ridiculous. Why, why did I think I could? <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, but, but I, you know, I did. I just, and, and, and it wasn't, you know, the, the good thing about writing nonfiction or memoir that, that I've discovered is, is that you don't have to make up something, you know, you don't have to say, okay, well, how am I going to get my character out of this now? Oops, I've got them in the situation. And, and this, it, this needs to happen for that to happen and so forth. You're telling a story. You're telling it as 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 it happened, and and it's so it makes you just go there and you you finish your story. You just plunge, you know, like plunging into a pool or something. Just just go to you you feel your hands on the other side of the pool. Yeah. And when you find yourself in the in the middle of 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 drafts, whether that's a novel or this memoir, you know, it's when you're you know, the sort of honeymoon period of like, oh, this is going to be a great idea. This is something I really want to pursue. You know, when that kind of wears off and you're right in the middle and you're pretty far away from the end too, what is the nature of how you approach the ugly middle of drafts when you want it, <laughs> when you just want to abandon, go to something new, but you you got to soldier on? You, 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 you got to do it. You got yourself in there now. <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, I think what, what I do, it helps that the way I, I write, uh, I get these ideas and they're churn like all writers, you know, they're churning around in my head and, and I'm not one of these writers. I could never do this. If, if, I wrote an outline for what I was going to write first. I would never write it. The only book I really, they asked for a synopsis and they said like a three page synopsis of a third novel I wrote so I could get for my contract for my third novel. I wrote this synopsis. I, I had no idea what I was going to do with this book. So I just made something up left and right. I knew that that would totally, I wouldn't be able to do what I wrote because that would dissipate all the creative energy I needed to, you know, to to make up this story kind of as I go. But what, but what I do is when I start a book, I know how it's going to end. Of course, with this memoir, that was a given. But um, so I worked toward that ending. I, I know I don't uh, by any means know all the twists and turns it's going to take to get there. But without having written anything out, not outlining or anything like that, but just in my mind as these ideas begin to form, I think I'm, I'm just one of these that have to know where it's going. And, um, you know, I've heard other, other writers uh, say, and I've heard Pat, I mean, Pat said that several times. So this, this really isn't what I intended to do with this. But once I got into it, and I can see that happening. That's just, 
that's not the way I, you know, that's just not my, my stuff. I, my creative process or whatever you want to call it. I just, uh, I just have, I know where I'm going with it. Yeah. I think once you, I need a lighthouse to aim at and it, mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. it's just like uh, even if maybe right at the very start, I'm not 100 percent sure where it is. But like the sooner I can come up with the ending, the better I feel, because then you can start building things that kind of inform it and feed it and logically approach that lighthouse in the distance. And it it does feel like you have like this. There is this goal. I don't know how long it's going to take to get there, but I do right. know it's out there. Right. And then what kind of, you know you're rowing toward that lighthouse and what kind of current's going to come and sweep you up or whatever. <laughs> but, but that's where you, where you, where you go in with it. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, that's a good one. I like that. <laughs> as a, uh, so before you had met Pat, you of course were familiar with his work as a writer. And, um, um, I wonder like what you took away early and then as you knew him more, what you took away, you know, later. Oh, um, well, I think when I, when I first read him, it was sort of the, the the reason that I had to name the book what I, what I caught. The title was never in question to me. Tell me a story, because I was I was really taken with his the way he could tell a story. You know, it just uh, all these these twists and turns his stories would take and he would keep you turning pages and 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 in a most enjoyable way even if it was not particularly an enjoyable story you were into it you know you were, you were caught in and and like with with the the lords of discipline for example um i thought that was that was beautifully crafted he had the the mystery you know the whole unveiling of of his uh uh secret society and and all the little you know things that that went on with that so so i had always thought though i tried to pretend otherwise at at points in, in in you know my education when i was coming along and and the the um you know, so people would admire writers that I didn't particularly admire because nothing happened in their books. <laughs> <laughs> I like books with a story. I realized that soon, <laughs> even though I could read um, uh, books and just appreciate them for for the beauty of of the language and the characters and so forth. I really preferred books that 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 had a good story behind it so that was i think i i i know that that was what i liked so much about pat's writing when when i first read but but to also very much appreciated his uh his his prose and his prose style especially and i still think he he's he's a master one of the best I've ever read in imagery, uh, and you the use of imagery in fiction and and his metaphors and stuff are just beautiful. So I would take some of those and and use them in handouts. I mean, I had a couple of his, I had others from so many other you know writers, but I use those in handouts in my uh, 
composition 101 and 102 classes. So he had, to me, he sort of had everything. He had fascinating characters, you know, very complex characters, no cliches that, that I saw. He had a great story. A few times, maybe he went a little, and he would say this, you know, get a little carried away with it. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, he, he was always teased about the, the tiger, you know, and the prince of tides coming along to save the day right at the last minute and all this. But that was just past, I think, very, very vivid imagination. So he had this beautiful language. He just had, to me, the great characters, the beautiful language, the storytelling, everything you want in what I enjoyed and, and looked for in, in a book. Um, and then, of course, when I, I got to know him, one thing he did that I had already done, but I think we both did this, he, he collected. Now, I just collected names. So I have a notebook of of names, and I have to name my characters before I can really know them. Mm. And a character has to, their their names represent who they are before I really create them. And I don't know why that is, but, you know, whatever reason. So Pat did that, but he did something else that that I, I did some of later, not to the extent that he did. He also collected words that he liked. And he had long list that that he would make of of words that would inspire him to think of a of of an image or whatever. So uh, I like that. It's kind of like a butterfly net, just like catching catching words, catching ideas that strike your fancy, so you can use them for later. Yeah, yeah. So so I I, I observed his his doing that. He also. He created like me. He he didn't outline or anything. Some good Lord, the opposite, I guess. Nan Talese, his editor, would certainly say, because uh, now I don't think this is true. I recently heard someone give give a talk on beach music and say said that it was two thousand handwritten pages. I'm pretty sure it was something like twelve hundred handwritten wow. pages, but. But so much. I mean, he he did so much more than you know than than um, needs to do. So uh, so he he always had so many subplots, plots, and you know the the main plot, but then all the subplots and and is that he like like I do had these things thought out in his head. So he wrote by hand. Yeah, so I was talking about the handwritten pages. But he he didn't start over a lot. I mean, when he started writing, he would sit and... I mean, that's what I love about writing on a computer. I used to write by hand, too. But once I... Boy, once I got on the computer and I could just hit that back, you know, and re rewrite... Something didn't sound right when I wrote it. But by the time Pat put pen to paper, he had worked it out in, in his mind. And I thought that that was pretty fascinating, too, because it, it's hard to write by hand now when you're not used to it especially. 
you know, even if I write a thank you note stuff now, it's so different than composing it on the computer. And uh, so it was literally uh, laborious. I think it's, I was about to say laborious, but I believe that's laborious for him to physically to, to write these, these things. And it took him so long. I mean, it took him years to write a book. That's why, (laughs) because of the actual physical writing of, of the book, he would live within his own mind for so much of the time. I mean, he was, and he was creating these books in his mind so that once he sat down to start to write them out, he had them. Yeah. I I, I love, I, yeah, I, I love that. It's kind of like this, this kind of ongoing, you know, process, you know, writers are kind of always writing, even if they're not yes. at their computer. Right. Yeah. And, exactly. uh, and I think uh, a, a really poignant part in the book too is when uh, I, I'm, I'm thinking it must have been in Fripp Island at the house there, where you finally had your own, uh, to use Virginia Woolf's uh, term, you know, a place to call your own or a room to call your own. Uh, that was a very poignant part. Like, how important was that for you to finally have this place, you know, your own turf to call your own to get you to so you could uh, approach your work, you know, and have your own space. Uh, it was actually of major importance to me that I did I, I did not realize it at the time and hadn't realized how that important that would be to to anyone because up until then I had always you know uh, just whatever place I could grab that was that was my writing space. So when Pat asked me about well what was your writing room like because you had lived in I had lived in so many different you know houses going around my, my ex was was sort of sent from somewhat one place to the next every four years and and I said well I, I never had one I mean if we had an office in the house it would be for him and even in with him not being there in the day, it would not occur to me to go in there to work. He was determined. He said, oh, well, you're going to have your own writing, writing space. And, and it really made, it made a tremendous difference because I, then, and that's why I was saying earlier, I'm sort of spoiled now because I used to have to try to write it despite all the distractions and so consequently, I was not very prolific. But once I was able to do this without the distractions, it just all came pouring out. Mm. And what's the routine by which you try to, um, you know, thread your writing practice in around your day? What's the discipline look like? And, uh, you know, maybe how do you warm up to it? You know, and and so, yeah, it, I think it's routines are important. So I wonder how how you have cultivated your own sense of practice around this. Well, that was another thing I was going to say about writing an article. I think I, I left this out. Uh, I mean, we certainly have deadlines uh, with with book, but writing art magazine articles, you definitely have a deadline. And if you miss it, you you miss, you, especially if you're writing some seasonal something. You miss it for a year or whatever, you know. So I, I, I usually self-impose some, some deadlines on myself. Uh, 
like by the end of this week, I, I want to have blocked off enough time from other stuff that I you know, have to do or, you know, even go out and get groceries or things like that. Um, and, then, and that helps. That helps to say, okay, I'm going to have this chapter finished by the end of this week. So that way I can, I can, I can sort of, uh, you know, divvy up my time on a, on a daily daily basis of what I can do and what, what I can't do. Uh, even having said that, though, when I get deeply lost in, in writing and I'm kind of at a crucial point working through something in the plot, I won't stop to eat or, or you know, and a lot of times I'm, I'm working in my room and it gets dark, you know. Yeah. I might, I might get up to run, get a you know a glass of wine, but but <laughs> yeah. it's it's coming back to oh goodness, I've got to go out and I've got to water the <clears throat> the plants, I got to bring in the bird feeder, you know things like this. I don't. I mean, I I will I will literally lose myself in, in what I'm I'm doing, but that's not my preferred way to do it. I really like to to set up have some self-imposed uh deadlines and 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 work toward those and something i liked from the from the memoir too was when um towards the end but it actually crops up through through is how kind of uh excited pat would be to like read a new writer maybe someone who didn't have as big a you know a writer celebrity if you will but Mm -hmm. he'd just be like oh this is you know this is great and i loved I love that celebratory nature and yeah. and I wonder like just even for for you too like how in yeah how important is that for a writer to be like to um take every take someone else's win and make it your own versus being like jealous and competitive I I, I always tell my students you know writing is not a competitive sport it's you know it's not and and I I will I want other writers to write because I like to read. <laughs> you know? right. I don't want to read my stuff. And and so, you know, it's it's a little hard for me to, to relate to, though I think it's kind of human nature. And, of course, we, we'll read this and think, hmm, how did, how did this book, and, and believe me, there have been some that, that I've, you know, heard about, oh, gosh, I've got to get this book, and, and I get it, and I read it, and I think, what was all the fuss about on that one? <laughs> yeah. uh, but then on the other hand, you you might just pick up a, a, a book in just at ram, random in a bookstore or something, and you think, why is this book not, you know, a, a Pulitzer Prize winner or something? This is magnificent. So, you know, it's, uh, I, I just, I feel like it, it's important um, for for us to think of ourselves as as sort of a tribe, you know, because because we should understand each other. We have the same quirks, and we have the same wants and desires, and and you know this sort of stuff. Uh, I don't think anybody really understands a writer like another writer does. Mm-hmm. And that's why I used to say I was going to set up a dating service for writers or something because <laughs> I think that was, you know, that was one of my problems. And Pat said it, it was with his two and other relationships because 
it's hard to live with someone who whose mind is always elsewhere, you know. Right. Who lives in their own little world and they're in that little world creating all these 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 you know scenarios and characters and all that, instead of paying attention to their mate and it it takes a toll and maybe that's why so many of us have had you know several failed relationships and things like this because because it's hard so so we should understand each other maybe a little more and support each other yeah and i where i get into trouble to your to your point uh is uh through the through the podcast and even the the journalism i do like a part of what i do is i i, I have i'm conversing and i'm listening a lot and i listen a lot mm-hmm. and uh as a result sometimes with with my wife i'm not sometimes and often more than i'd like to admit it not the greatest listener and uh-huh. so <laughs> yeah. and it's like i get into it's uh a point of contention that it's like I can I can have the the listener muscle so well rehearsed and and really firing well for when I do my trade, but then yeah, you know, bringing it home, it's like I forget that's the most important person to be listening to all the time. Absolutely, and and you know, it's like I guess the cobbler's family has no shoes, kind of thing. Is <laughs> put all your you know, you you put all your energy into what you're doing, then you don't have you don't have the the energy for for the ones that that need it the most, maybe. Yeah, and and over the course of you know your writing writing this memoir, it was there you know was there anything that kind of uh, you know surprised you over the course of of writing it? Yeah, things that you didn't you might not have even remembered until you started writing and just through the, the sheer process of it, you, you remembered just, Oh wow. That, you know, we, we did this. I completely forgot about, we did this 10 years ago and it just kind of came up. Like, what was that? Yeah, I did some of that, but what I'm doing more now is thinking of things that I left out. Folks that haven't read it, you know, will say to me, Oh, I know you must have told that hilarious story when Pat said such and such and you said such, blah, 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 and all this kind of stuff. And I think, oh, I can't believe I forgot that one. (laughs) (laughs) So, so so I I think I've sort of done, but, but I think, you know, the really difficult thing about memoir, and I'm sure I would think that any, anyone who's done, done one can tell you, would say the same on on this. You've probably interviewed a lot of people that have, and I haven't asked anyone, but the big thing is what do you tell and what do you leave out? Right. Uh, when you're, you're going over a span of, of, you know, with Pat and I, 20, see, we met in 95, and he, you know, he died 21 years later. So this, this, this span of time that you could... You know, if you just wrote a chapter on each year of your life together, it would, it would, it would be, you know, <laughs> volumes or whatever. So you can't do that. You have to. And what makes some things more important than others in in your life? Or, or you know, we we I wrote a a chapter where it's kind of talked about losses that we had 
you know, experienced some of the really good friends we'd lost, that that wasn't everyone, you know. And I don't, I'm not even sure why I didn't try to to have everyone in there. I mean, we, we lost two or three other friends. We had very good friends who, who lost a child, and that just affected all of us and, and this sort of stuff. And I didn't write about that. Um, so, so that was that's one of the things that that fascinated me about memoir. And without having, you do have sort of a chronological, of course. Uh, if if so if you're writing about a marriage, you, you, or your childhood, or anything like that, you've got you've got the chronological order that you're going in. But what you include in that. And, and, and what's left out and the conscious choice or sometimes the not even conscious choice to do it just sort of, you know, seems that this is, should be the next thing, even though looking back on it may not have been one of the most significant things that happened during, during your lives together. I, I don't know. It was, it was that to me was, was a really fascinating part of the process. What were some of the the most difficult decisions in how you wrote about your marriage over, you know, the 20, 20 yeah. years or so? You know, that that's um, you know, ultimately you you had various visions that you could have or things you could have told, and you everything's a decision. And so I wonder what what were some of those hard decisions for you? Yeah, well, and they were, and and part of that. Uh, hard decisions is also about what what you include. You know, how much did I want to say, for example, about Pat's drinking? Mm -hmm. it, it was a, it was a problem. There was no he he talked about it. I'm not outing you know him or anything like that as having had a drinking problem. Uh, but um, uh, I you know I didn't want to to make that like a major focus of the book or anything because it wasn't really and it was definitely a problem it was definitely uh a, you know a, a big big factor with his health and 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 during the years that we were together but it was but on the other hand it, it was it was not the whole story it was not the story of a while there have been uh, of books I know, you know, uh, written about substance abuse and addiction and things like that, where that's that is the focus of uh, of the books. So, so you know, I had I had those those kind of things, and and uh, and then I'm a I'm a very private person, and I had I had not written much about myself. I'd done more so recently. I've written like three or four, maybe four or five essays for um, anthologies and one on, on women and faith and spiritual development and, you know, these sorts of, of things that I had begun to talk about, my depression and things like this that I've, I've never written or talked about much before uh, so 
So it was for me that did not come naturally. Mm. That did not come naturally at all. That was that was a struggle in in a couple. It was that was one of the things that my my editor had me go back and and say I'm not really getting here. You you allude to some problems in your earlier you know marriage with with your search for your own identity and all this but you're still being evasive about it uh, and and having to to open up more more than I I'm comfortable doing I think a, a, a the great undercurrent of this book too is is that it was kind of a, uh, a an ode to a second act or even a third act, you know, a, a midlife act where a lot of people might resign themselves to, you know, well, well, this is what my life was for 50 years. You know, I've, I'm just going to ride this out. But, it, but in so many ways, like, you know, you guys met in your, in your fifties and had a great, had a great pairing at a great sort of watershed moment in your lives. So I think this really speaks to, you know, it's, you can still, write your story even if it feels like it's getting a lot a late a later start yeah that i i, I saw that as an important talking point of of, of the book too in, in that um uh, so many people have you know later life marriages or or even take on a new career or you know totally just changes decide that they've been in a rut for a long time and, and they're going to to go backpacking you know, in Europe or whatever yeah. they didn't do in their youth or, or you know, start a whole, just leave them, you know, a family behind and start, start a whole new relationship. Things like that, I think, uh, that, that this is not at all un- uncommon. It's something so many folks can can relate to so many readers uh, uh, have have done that and I you know with with my experience this happened at a time in my life that uh, that I was pretty you know I had had a pretty devastating you know breakup Pat had had even more traumatic one than I had but we were both at at that point where I was I was a little ahead of him my kids were older so I didn't have the custody thing and and the fear of losing a child and and so forth like he he did and what he you know eventually experienced with that but um it, it for both of us I think it was it was it was definitely just starting a new when I felt like and I know he must have too what am I doing I've messed up every you know (laughs) other relationships that caused myself my family you know I've brought kids in the world that I've caused pain and upheaval and I don't feel like I'm there for blah 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 yeah here I am trying to you know start over and do something do it again am i crazy i think we we felt like we were kind of being swept along but you know it sounds so stupidly melodramatic to say this but that's 
that's the way it felt. It felt is it's almost like it was out of my control. This these I was watching a movie or something, and it was this the script was just rolling on, and I was right in the middle of it. <laughs> yeah. That sounds crazy, but yeah, that's how it, that's how it felt. Well, it's kind of like you were saying about a, a, a being a writer, how you kind of just have to surrender to it, like it kind of chooses you. Mm -hmm. And so, in a yeah. sense, this 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 uh, this relationship you had with Pat was just some. It was just a confluence of things, and you you just had no choice but to surrender to the winds. That's 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 what it felt like. I, I you know, I I think that. Uh, that at no point did I really seriously think, you know, I'm just going to tell this guy, no, I, I you know, I, I don't want to see him again. I don't want to get into this. I, I didn't really, I, I didn't really think that, but neither did I think, boy, I'm going to grab him, jump on this. This is, <laughs> this is going to be fun and exciting and God, you know, and all this, it, it just, happened the way it happened, I guess. <laughs> well, there was something so charming about how it was so phone phone heavy er, early <laughs> on. Like that just was so such like a high school romance, just being hours on the phone. It was really charming. Well, I, I'm glad to hear you say that because it does it's pretty embarrassing too when you're talking about, you know, um just have it carrying on this long distance. Well, it wasn't. A, it was a. We were carrying on a long distance romance after, um, after we had professed our, you know, our love for each other and this sort. But I went back to, to my job. I just, uh, I, I did have that that moment of caution where I wasn't going to, to give. I wasn't, and I guess I just wasn't quite ready, and and maybe even subconsciously, you know, I was thinking, well, if 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 I go back to my life now and he goes back to his, and we drift apart, then it wasn't meant to be after all. Mm. Well, I'm happy that it was meant to be for the time you guys had because it, it it sounded like it was a great ride and uh, you know and you capture it you know magically in your book so i uh, <laughs> i really appreciate you for writing the book and uh being so forthcoming and forthright with uh this this great chapter in your life so you know thanks for writing it and thank you for jumping on the show cassandra uh, thank you so much for having me i appreciate it hey thanks for listening you can always follow along by subscribing to the show, you know that, anywhere you get your podcasts. You'll be getting nice doses of Monday motivation with the micropods as well. Head over to brendanomero.com hey, hey. for show notes. Keep the conversation going on the social networks, at CNFpod, Instagram, and Twitter. Please, if I've made something worth sharing, I'd appreciate you handing this off to another CNFer and say, you know, listen, man, you can, if you got the time, try this out. This will help you out. Hopefully it will. I think that's about it. I uh, don't have a whole lot more to say. Alex, we'll miss you, man. Hope you're running and eating and playing Pictionary somewhere. I don't think anybody else would get more of a kick out of my send-off to this podcast than you, Alex. So remember, if you can do, 
interview. See ya.